All right. Blue 42. Blue 42, set hike. Sorry. Just getting really excited for fantasy football season, if it happens. I still need to get my trophy from last year. Uh, yeah. Yeah, the one that you won. All right. Won. Those of you who can't see me, I'm doing the uh, the quotation marks because Maggie shafted some people, a.k.a. her husband, in the league last year and forgot to tell him some things. You know, disclaimer. All's fair in so, love and fantasy football. Hey, it's like the Astros. You're just going to have, you know, uh, plates being thrown at your head and people giving you the frowny face like the guy <laughs> in the MLB with the Astros. Fine. I'll take it. <laughs> All right. Uh, continuing our Women in Strength series, we are super excited to have the one and only stump on our podcast that we will ever have. Uh, that is her nickname. She is wonderful. Her name is Christine Woodrick, not, uh, not only a stash athlete, but also a physical therapist in the field, so also gives back to um, a lot of the community as well and helping them get better and getting back to doing what they enjoy. Um, more of in a clinical setting, if I'm not mistaken, right, Christine? Yes. Should we should we just say we're gonna call you Woody on the podcast first, yeah. so that way? On the top. All right. The I can't Woody. call her Christine. That would sound weird. I know it. It sounds really weird to say Christine Woodrick when I don't know if I've ever actually said your name. You're period. Pronouncing correctly. So. <laughs> <laughs> I'm putting the right emphasis. It's not yeah, Woodrick. Yes, it's Woodrick. <laughs> exactly. But, Do people really say it wrong? Um, no. Uh, <laughs> I was going to say, how could you say that wrong? I never said it, so I just, he's got it right. You know, it's actually really funny. I saw a meme from one of my clients yesterday. They posted on their story. They actually laughed out loud. And, like, how we're saying your last name just makes me think of it. Why does everyone, when you say, see the name Matthew, why does everyone say Matt and not Hugh? Like, what? Right? See? Right? Like, everyone will shorten Matthew to Matt, but they won't shorten Matthew to Hugh. They just leave out the Hugh. Like, were you reading a book when you were thinking about this? I swear to God, I was, I was completely sober last night. <laughs> I was completely in a, great, like, a clear state of mind. Okay, well, I don't know, Carly. We'll have to ask Matt Veronica, or Hugh Veronica. We'll like you, I'm gonna start just calling Matt Hugh now. Ever since I saw that meme, <laughs> Matt sounds so much better. Yeah, Matt does. Plus, sound I mean, but I'm Hugh is catchy. Me. I don't know. Either way, <laughs> I feel like my last two introductions the last two weeks have been on point. Actually, between... I have a funny story about your introduction from last week. So, oh boy, my friend Dom is a cop down on Long Island and uh, mm -hmm. he listens to our podcasts while he's like on duty and he had someone in the back of the cop car this like woman <laughs> while he was listening to the intro and the woman was like a pregnancy lasts 40 weeks you idiot <laughs> I was thinking that the other day also I'm really happy you said on Long Island and not in Long Island Oh, yeah, I've been corrected many times. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. But, yeah, what an intro. I know. The last two weeks, I've been on fire. 
can't wait for next week. I mean, I, I can only imagine what's going to be said next week. Who knows? <laughs> the world will never know. Um, but yeah, no, Woody, uh, we have a great series lined up uh, in this little season, I guess you would call them, uh, mini part series that we have going on. And uh, we're really excited to continue going about women in strength sports and, uh, you know, kind of like their journey, kind of talking a little bit more about you know, what got them to where they are now, um, kind of talking about their field and how that impacts their, you know, mindset on how they view training, you know, kind of telling a little bit, uh, we'll get into how um, your story has unfolded, you know, from the beginning to now and, you know, stepping on that Arnold stage and, you know, kind of what your goals are moving forward. But also, you know, the impact that, you know, uh, women in lifting has on, I think, the sports in general. And I, I think that's super, super huge. And, and we can also talk a lot about inclusivity as well, which I think is a great, uh, a great topic to, to go on. So um, yeah, Woody, tell us a little bit about yourself. Um, I mean, I started lifting in, oh, do you want to know where I'm from? Yeah. As a Montauk. That's not, no. <laughs> I'm not from Staten Island. I'm not from Jersey. I'm from Long Island. Um, I went to undergrad in Cortland, and that's where I started lifting. What was that? <laughs> I have a thing about Cortland. We won't get into it. Okay. She went to Brockport. What do you expect? Yeah, it's it's a thing. Um, I went to undergrad in Cortland um, to pursue a bio degree. And then I was gonna graduate early, so I picked up a minor in exercise science. Um, but that's where I really started lifting. I've been playing rugby for, since my freshman year of high school. Um, and then I had a friend in college who was going to school for coaching and kind of just uh, like sports psychology. And he really just wanted to like take on clients and practice. So he's where my basis of lifting kind of came from. Um, and then I got my doctorate on Long Island at Stony Brook for physical therapy. And then I moved right to Buffalo um, and joined the stash fam. Yeah, I remember, um, I remember when I got your emails and messages, it was literally on New Year's Eve, 2017 or 2018. I think it's when you well, first Eve, message me. Yeah. yeah. So it would have been New Year's Eve 2017 going into the 2018 year. I remember because like it was late night. I think you were the last person to sign up for like those specials. Like I got home from dinner and that's when I was messaging you back and forth. Like I'm pretty sure it was like 10 or 11 at night yeah. when you were like, yeah, let's do this. And I was like, I don't even know who this person is. All I know is she knows Christine Shea, so she's got to be good people. Yeah, Shea was my roommate in Portland, and we played rugby. Oh, okay. So then um, I saw, before I moved to Buffalo, I saw her lifting at your gym, and I was like, oh, that looks really cool. Like, that looks like a good place if I moved to Buffalo to, like, start lifting at. So then we made the connection. Um, wow. I moved here, and I pretty much joined the gym two weeks after moving here. Yeah. Yeah, you you weren't here very long, if I remember correctly, from the email that you sent, too. I think you said, like, you just moved to uh, to Buffalo. Yeah. 
Now, would he tell us about a little bit from where you started, um, you know, where your lifts were um, prior to, you know, whether it's you want to call it powerlifting or joining our, our family, um, and then where you are now? Um, I guess I remember I hit a deadlift for 300 pounds and I was like, okay, like, that's it. That's all I ever need to do in my life. Like (laughs) so hard. I hit one rep and it was like, not great form. And I was like, yeah, like I'm good. Like I'll retire. Like, um, that's it. Um, but then I don't know, I guess I kind of just had more of like a bodybuilding approach to lifting, not like just the accessory work, like a ton of accessories, not, not the way that your programming is structured. Um, and then when I joined the gym with you, like I had no intentions on competing. I just wanted a place to lift and, um, <laughs> I, I <went> happens. <laughs> yeah, I, I, you just suck us right in, I guess. <laughs> it's not me. I swear. It's not me. <laughs> um, I went to mayhem that year. Like, right after, like, I guess I was two months into being at the gym. And I was like, oh, like, that that's pretty cool. Like, I would maybe want to do that. I was intimidated by, like, the amount of pressure. Because, like, rugby, it's a team sport. Like, um, there's always someone kind of behind you. It's not, like, something like softball where, like, if you make an error and that's the error for the entire game, like. It's you on suck. you. You suck. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I was really, really anxious about, like that kind of platform, like that stage, um, to be an individual lifting and have it all be on me. Um, I don't know. And then I was hurt for a little bit and then we got into it. We'll go into the hurt story, um, shortly, but you know, you start, so you, so you pretty much never maxed out anything else besides the deadlifts. Oh yeah. No. Correct? Yeah. And then, I mean, I know your numbers, and I know Maggie, I think, knows your numbers, but kind of tell everyone else listening what uh, what your numbers are currently. And I, th- I think that'll be two and a half years, right? Uh, January 18 to July of August of 2020, I think it's like two and a half years exactly. Yeah. And then, I mean, that first six months, I was not consistent at all. So I would say it's like two years of consistent lifting. Yeah. Um, I mean... Training numbers or meat numbers? People. Um, I mean, you could go with your best ever's. I yeah. mean, because you are technically still the New York State record holder in the total. So you can, you know, you can pat yourself on the back. You've had that since March. What is it again? <laughs> I think it's 507 and a half. Yeah. Okay. So my total is 507 and a half kilo. Um, my best in training squat was 50, what is it, 502? 501 and a half or something like that, yeah. That was big. That was such an epic day. That was big. I remember I remember that day, and I think, like, it was during quarantine, you were an ad on Snapchat Yeah. for something, because one of my remote guys in Wisconsin texted me a screenshot of it, and it was like, hey, isn't this your gym and one of your athletes? And I go, I don't even know what the company was, but it was, like, some – random ad for a company and they used your squat for it yeah i've had a couple of them like randomly i'll get a friend texting me being like hey i looked at this like snapchat like you know like how they have all those news yeah yeah, yeah. and it was a lifting one they're like you were on there i was like really i had no idea like i don't (laughs) look at that stuff 
not like they ask for consent or anything. No, right? not at all. We're just like, oh, yeah, <laughs> no, we're just going to use this thing. This looks cool. We'll put this on there. Right. I don't actually think I know what my numbers are. I feel I like go in I... and I lift the weights. <laughs> I mean, that's the perfect approach to training is not necessarily knowing the weights. It's about going in there and just doing it. You know what you have to do. Um, yeah. I mean, that's the perfect approach to training. So to not know your numbers is a good thing. And off the top of my head, I think your best deadlift is 215 kilo um, or 220 kilo, one of those two. Um, and best squat is 227 and a half kilo. And then your best bench, I think, is uh, – I don't think we ever got to 100. Was it 95 or was it 97? No, she got to 100 in the gym. Right? Oh, yeah, I remember because it was a deload day. And we yeah. kept climbing and climbing. We started at 90. This is on fire. Went that to 92, day. I don't know 95, 97. Yeah, I mean, we haven't been able to replicate that again. But... No, that's the power. <laughs> but that that, that one day, everything worked out. That was impressive. That oh, was, it was pure like adrenaline I had from everyone yeah. in the gym, like the family. Yeah, I I remember. I think Lindsay and Gage were just there loading your plates and just like kind of <laughs> kind of almost like your um like if you were in a boxing match, they were kind of like you know your hype man and like giving you the water and yeah, like, like we're just there. That. <laughs> yeah right <laughs> they give you the spit bucket all right Woody it's time to go <laughs> ding ding <laughs> um but I you know before I, Maggie gets into some questions I really want you to explain to everyone how severe your injury was um and then how long of a road back that was and you know kind of in the good place that you are now so I probably stopped squatting. We had a couple things going on for those six months because we had my knee bothering me with like a patellofemoral issue um, pretty early on. So we were cutting out squats. And then in the beginning of April, I developed like that chronic vertigo disorder that I was going through. Um, I mean, I couldn't, I remember trying to lift with this vertigo disorder and like being on the bench and staring at the barbell and getting distracted by the lights and like just what the ceiling looked like above it. And I could not focus at all. Um, so between working through those two things, um, I mean, it took a toll physically and mentally. I was like, I just wanted to get into this and now like... I can't do anything. Like I was struggling just to work because I worked in, I was interning at the time at a busy outpatient clinic, like where you're constantly making quick turns, um, checking on someone, turning again, and all those kinds of things would just stir me up and I would get just super dizzy and nauseous. Um, but that took 10 weeks to get better. And then I think we really started to focus on the knee then which shout out to Dan Dominguez. He saved my life. I mean, he's the reason that I, I not the whole reason, obviously, um, but the reason that I was able to really come back and start competing um, and getting serious about powerlifting. Because obviously I tried to treat myself with physical therapy um, and it, 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 I couldn't get anywhere with it. And I was really desperate and, um, Matt Veronica 
pointed me in the direction of Dan. He's like, you might want to try this acupuncture approach. Like, I was like, I was so desperate. I was like, I'll pay whatever it is. I just, I need to be able to lift and move again. Um, and I believe that we started lifting again in October. So it was a full summer of just trying to rehab um, and doing like, I don't think, I, I mean, I started lifting in that time. We started benching and deadlifting, but I don't think I started squatting again until October. And then I competed that February. Yeah. Yeah. That was your first full meet. Yeah. That yeah. summer you did that push pull. Yeah. But I mean, just, uh, I mean, just to list off, I mean, you had the knee issue, you had the shoulder issue, you had, um, a grip issue like that, you know, also took some time really honing in. And it, it, it wasn't necessarily a hand size. It was just honestly the, the muscles and the tendons inside of your hand just were giving out, um, you know, between all of that. And, you know, I would say probably since November of just 2019 is probably when you became like no issues, quote unquote, um, at all you know so it, it took like a full year of going through some like ups and downs yeah but yeah that, do you feel through that to get myself here you know right nope. i do you feel as though because you're in the physical therapy profession you had that greater understanding and that patience to actually take the time to do that because i know a lot of times with power lifters they're mm -hmm. like just do what you need to do to make me better and like, let me back out there. But you really seem to have dedicated that, that time to it. I think deep down, like it, it helped me, but I'm definitely someone who like, I'm, I'm a much better clinician than I am a patient. Like as soon as I can tell my patient, Oh, you're sore today. Like, that's fine. Don't worry about it. We still have good motion here. Like that's totally fine. But the second I feel that soreness, I'm like, the hell did I do? Like <laughs> I backtrack. Like I, I just like get anxious about it. Yeah. So I, I definitely, um, I think it, I think I had the patience because of my background for sure. Um, I knew that physical therapy wasn't helping. I knew I had to take a different approach. I knew I couldn't just keep hammering it with the same things and just expecting to see results when I wasn't. Right. Um, so, um, I don't know. Yeah. I, I would say that helped a lot. I mean, but honestly that that's the sign of a great clinician and physical therapist or just healthcare. If you want to call it a healthcare provider in that sense, like you were able to know that this isn't just a sole answer. Right. And, and like we do it, you know, Maggie and I refer out to people, right? Like, I mean, that's, that's our, that's what we do. Like we can maybe fix it through a slight bit of exercise, uh, prescription change or, oh, you know, uh, but we don't have all the tools. We don't have all the answers, but that's good. Really, really good self-awareness, you know? And it's like, for example, I, I know, I think we've talked about this with Brian and Dan on the podcast, but like, Oh, I have, I have some back pain. I'm just going to go get a massage and an adjustment and I'll call it a day. And that doesn't necessarily always do the trick, but that's people's first knee jerk reaction is, Oh, something sore back there. I'm just going to, I'm, I'm going to go get a massage and rub it out real quick. 
uh, when it could be something really deep rooted issue and like you being as smart as you are and as educated as you are and now what you're you're three years into into your field two and a half years into your field and you know between actually uh, getting paid to do your job but also all the interning hours you knew that it wasn't that was the sole answer for you and i think that's a really good teaching point for for everyone um that if one thing isn't working i think it's good to know that you can go to other things or other um, providers um and get this uh, a different service that might work and not that there's all when one end all be all answer for everything yeah I think that's the same thing like with my grip issue um it was really on the left side and my left side is where i had that shoulder surgery from rugby um at surgery july 2014 for a labral repair um and that side just always is my problematic side and i think that my grip issues have a lot to do with like my scapular position and the way I can set my mid back on that side. Um, so doing a lot of like unilateral um, lat work and things like that have really helped the grip issue too. Like making sure that, I mean, most of the back work I do, I do unilaterally because of that. Yeah. Makes sense. And that's great self-awareness to, yeah. to have that, um, you know, in your repertoire and toolbox. Absolutely. Um, so when, so you started powerlifting, right? When did it really click for you that like, this is like my thing, this is what I want to keep doing. Cause you said you started just like lifting, um, you know, with all of us and never really thought about competing, but when was that, I guess, spark lit that let you know, like, this is what I want to do. Um, I would say that like, I would say it was qualifying for nationals, like right from mayhem, like right from my first full meet <clears throat> being like, Oh, like that was just my first one. And I'm like, not, I wouldn't say recognized on a national level, but able to compete at a higher level, just based off one competition. Um, I was like, okay, I might be okay at this thing. Um, and then just like, that was like the spark but like what really like set the fire was being at nationals and just like it competing is so much fun like going back to like where i said that um i was nervous about like just being anxious that like everything is on you like as an individual to show up and compete that day and you can't really blame anyone else like it it's pressure is all on you and that was really intimidating for me but once I competed at nationals at like on a bigger ish stage and realized that uh, I can be on that stage and still have fun with it. Um, I was like, okay, let's, let's, let's do this. Like, let's go. Yeah. I think that's, that's such a common feeling. Like people see, go to a meet, right. And they watch it. Like I get clients that'll come watch, mayhem and they'll come in and be like oh my gosh I could never do that that would be like I'd be so nervous but it's like yeah it's on you but the support that's backing you while you're up there it like offsets it you know like yeah. it it just fuels you so um another thing I wanted to ask you is professionally um have you 
seen crossover since you got you've gotten into powerlifting like things that you have carried into your field of being a physical therapist or um anything that you've been able to you know utilize yeah so uh, in my setting like we don't have like some outpatients have like barbells and squat racks and they work with a lot of athletes my my office doesn't have that um nor is i guess like um I don't know. A lot of the therapists come to me because I have a better understanding of like some exercise. Um, so they ask me for advice on certain things. Like I'm usually doing deadlifts with patients, even like it doesn't matter how old they are, like from 13 to 70s, like does not matter. It's a functional movement and people need to know how to do it and engage those muscles the right way. Um, and like everyone kind of does squats there, but I feel like I kind of bring this, um, higher level of exercise to my clients. I want to make sure people are challenged and challenged functionally. Um, yeah. kind of get that from powerlifting and see, especially just seeing people in our gym, like, um, no matter what age, like doing the lifts. Like, we have much younger clients there and we have much older clients there and we all do the same thing. I mean, things are modified to meet the individual, um, which is what I carry over to the clinic. Um, but I would say that I'm definitely not hesitant to do lifts with patients. Like, I mean, we don't have barbells, I'm using kettlebells or just like even just doing the motion is important. Right. Um, carry over into an individual's life yeah i feel like a hinge sometimes pts will avoid the hip hinge or deadlift style movement just because a lot of patients that are coming are a back hip whatever but it's something that strengthens those you know areas it's it's a crucial movement pattern a hip hinge it's you know that a squat like if you look at activities of daily living you know that they need to move right or they're going to re-injure, you know, that same area. Absolutely. So. And to your point, Woody, I mean, I think just on our team alone, the oldest female is 72. The oldest male is 76. The youngest female is 13 and the youngest male is nine. I mean, uh, that's, that just speaks volumes to that. It doesn't matter what age that you are. You can kind of do, it at any age, you know, and obviously, you know, you've went through a lot of the injuries, but a lot of the people come in to training with predisposed injuries, right? Like something that gets more exposed, the more that you strength train, right? And the more that you lift and the more that you do repetitive action, the more you realize, oh shit, like my body wasn't ready for that right now. Like we have to do some other things to make sure that we get ready uh, for those movements and those loads. Mm -hmm. The sport is for everyone. It just needs to be modified correctly until um withstand a certain load with that movement. Which brings me to, you know, the, the point where you get to competing somewhat on a national level stage and you compete, you know, between yourself, uh, Lindsay, Britt, and probably Jeff. You know, you guys are almost, and Mackenzie, um, you guys are probably at a limit of, you know, you're in the top five to 10% uh, of your weight class. Like, I mean, how much greater can you actually get in that weight class? And what I mean by that is 
you can't just keep doing the same over and over repetitive actions. You have to change it up. You have to change intensities. And that's where, you know, between um, the experience level and, and where you line up, right? So you know, my job as a coach is to see where you athletes line up on, all right, where do you stack up in your gym? Where do you stack up in your state? Where do you stack up nationally? And then when you're, when you, when you're stacking up nationally, you're seeing where you stack up worldly and like you have to see like what's the ceiling of the best of the best in those individual lifts. And that's where you have to kind of really cater to, all right, what have the injuries been like and really controlling the other factors. And, um, you know, I, I think all of us saw it yesterday, what SBD posted about Brit yesterday um, with, you know, controlling all of the ex external factors. That's the only way that things are going to keep progressing at a high level, especially for you and uh, the others, as, as mentioned. But, I mean, if you can control all of those and stay healthy, Jesus Christ, it's a, it's a recipe for, for extreme success. Yeah. I would say going off that, um, I started that nutrition coaching in yeah. January, and I feel like it's just um, – I don't know, just like set a flame under my ass, to be honest, yeah. in the sport. Like uh, we, we do nutrition coaching, we do macros, but every day I'm logging training quality, um, soreness, sleep quality, um, sleep duration. I Every weekly check-in we're talking about stress and those are so, so important. And that's something I go over with my clients in the evaluation too, like, how is sleep like sleep is when we heal like we are constantly putting our bodies under um i mean the world is stressful enough right now we're all under a lot of stress and then we <laughs> add, we add in voluntarily a physical stress to the system so we need to make sure that our bodies are able to adapt and recover um and like like that quote from brit like it is so important to take those things into account because if you don't, you're you're only like I don't know. You're not firing with all engines, you know. Yeah, yeah. you're restricting your capabilities, if anything, right? Like you might have more in the tank, but no one's gonna know that. No, no one's gonna see that unless you actually are are staying true to yourself. And yeah, I think that was probably one of the best things that you did was was get uh, linked up with uh, with Kristen and uh, and the nutrition aspect. Yeah. I just said, basically, I wasn't feeling good competing at 84. I mean, I'm still competing at 84 plus right now, but we're obviously on the way down. Yeah, we're, we're trying to cut right now. Um, but I just feel so much better leaning out like I I'm only five, three and three quarters. It's hard for me to put on that weight and feel good about myself. Absolutely. Um, and then that that mental aspect, every time I put on a belt, I'm like almost dreading the lift because it's so uncomfortable. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. so I think just getting all of that stuff in check has really been a, um, a catalyst for success. Absolutely. It really has. I feel like you, from an outsider perspective, you definitely saw that shift happen. Like I remember you telling us that you, you know, you're hiring this coach and, um, you know, you really liked what she was bringing to the table. And then it was just, like you said, firing from all cylinders, like everything started to click and it's just like, you really maximize all of the tools that you have um, rather than keeping them in the belt. To compete that, yep. to compete on the level that I am trying to compete at, you have to. 
Yeah, you have to use everything. Absolutely. Everything into account. And I think something people don't think about is like, yeah, obviously it takes a lot of work in the gym to be strong, right? But it takes a lot of work outside of the gym to be strong and to stay strong. Um, You know, like you talked about recovery and paying attention to if your body is your implement for your sport, how are you maintaining it? Yeah. Um, So I think that's absolutely. I mean, think about Maggie and I's life. I mean, like (laughs) we're opposites. (laughs) Like we stress, (laughs) you talk about stress. Um, there's hence the reason we're retired yeah (laughs) like we can't do that like it's hard I mean it's really hard when your life doesn't comply with training yes male or female it doesn't matter I mean your life needs to comply I mean no slight to Jeff but we kind of watched Jeff crumble as his life was not complying with training his I mean he just couldn't handle all of that everything external factors going on with him going into the Arnold and you watch that with a lot of people right you you watch that with so many other people I mean that's why when you talk about there's a there's a performance by Brett Favre the day after his dad died he went out there and threw for 450 450 yards four touchdowns the day after his his dad passed and like People talk about it, and, and it's one of the most incredible feats that you can have. You're under so much duress, and you're able to go out there and perform at probably one of your best performances ever in your career the day after one of the most stressful things happens to you. And I, don't, I think people really need to put in perspective how much those little stressors add up um, going into not only training but also into an event, right? I mean, think about, Maggie, you coach athletes. Um, think about if there's stress going into a lift or into a throw or into a, a, an event in, in their respective field. Shit, like, it, nerves are real. Like, you don't oh, yeah. do things correctly. I mean, we've all probably experienced that to some level of degree. Like, oh, shit, like, I was a little nervous. You know, always hear it, the first squat off the platform. All right, got the first one out of the way. All my nerves are gone. And it's really, it's truly uh, real for every single facet of life, not just in sports, uh, that those nerves can really unwaver or waver uh, performance. Yeah, it's, it's funny with our, our outdoor track season, our conference championships fall right around finals week. So it's like, you know, you're asking these kids to be in at their optimal level of fitness like be ready to perform at the highest one of the highest um competitions for the team but then you're also asking them to prep for however many finals that they have and they've got all that and they're not thing and you know their eating schedules off so yeah in coaching it's i see it all the time it's yeah and you just figure out a way to make it work but yeah man and think and Woody, for you, think about how many people have like just minor stressors, you know, that come into physical therapy. Like, you know, they probably could heal a lot faster, but yet they're stressing out about something else that might be inhibiting them being able to make that kind of progress. Yeah. I talk about this a lot. Um, when I have someone who herniated a disc like acutely at work versus um, someone who does it in a car accident and just the emotional and like trauma associated with that kind of yeah. set of injury. Um, they have completely different 
uh, recoveries. Like that emotional um, and mental aspect that plays into um, recovery and pain and perception of pain um, makes a huge difference. Absolutely does. Yeah, it really does. Um, So a couple lighthearted questions that I have for you, Woody. What's your favorite lift of the big three? I already know this. I know the answer, <laughs> but I, the people want to know. I like the squat. Yeah. I don't have a grip issue with squatting. <laughs> <laughs> I will say it's your most crooked lift. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> That's true. For those of you who are wondering, just watch one of her videos of us walking her back in to the squat rack. Yeah. That shoulder doesn't like to comply. Yeah, no. well. <laughs> Count it. Um, and then what is, just looking at your history of training and competing, your, the top two highlights. So I would say highlight in competition for you and then top highlight in training. Top highlight in training is definitely that squat. Yeah. That's- I can watch that video and cry every time. It's it's the squat. <laughs> it's all the work, but it's like that was a day where I had so many people behind me in the gym, and it's just it it it's an element to training that you just don't get when you're um, training by yourself. You know, like just that kind of support. It's just like that bench day. Like it it really elevates you to have support. Um, it takes away stress. It keeps you right mentally. And I think it, it helps you get the lift. <laughs> yeah. Um, as individual an, as, as powerlifting is, there's a major team factor. Yeah. I was just going to say it's an individual sport with a team atmosphere. Yeah. Um, I mean, the Arnold was incredible. I didn't have my best meet, um, but I, I think it was important because it was a highlight because I, I was competing at a high level and not doing my total best. I mean, I still, for my meat numbers, it was still an improvement, so that's great. Um, But I was still having so much fun. And I'm constantly, we talked, uh, you kind of mentioned this before, like the outside the gym stuff, like all the nutrition, all the social um, sacrifices you kind of have to make to stay on for the sport. Like it's not just training inside the gym, it's training outside the gym. Um, and just knowing that I could, I'm constantly checking in on myself to make sure, am I still having fun? Like, yep, is yep. this just commitment, not obsession, like something, an unhealthy relationship with either the nutrition or the training or both. Um, and at the Arnold, like competing and not, um, you know, I, I had higher training numbers, but you always do. Right. Yeah. Um, and knowing that I could not do my complete best, but still have so much fun and still not beat myself up. And just like, it was such a great experience. And yeah. um, it makes me excited for like the future, my future in the sport, because I feel like at the, as long as I keep checking in on myself, like I will continue to go far. Yeah, for sure. I think you're, you're definitely set up to have a very successful and long career in the sport. Um, Absolutely. 
and I know we're both very excited to to continue to watch and support you with that. Absolutely. You're the best, guys. Yeah. Well, thank you for for coming on, Woody. We appreciate it. And like Carly said, we're this series has been really cool to just like get you know perspectives from some of the the top females in the sport and. We've got a couple more lined up after this, which will be sick. Um, and yeah, thank you. Good, thank Super you. Super so pumped. Yeah. No problem. Thanks, Woody. Thanks for coming on. Yeah, uh, and thank you guys for listening. Uh, stay tuned for next week. See ya. See ya.